2: You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show. The place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. Today we continue countdown to camp as we're only 30 days away from the first practice down at Olivet Nazarene University. This is your host, Little Wit, and I want to welcome you to our defensive line preview. Tell me, break down the final positional group on defense. I have Brandon Hazlett, a.k.a. Mr. Trenches, Nicholas Moriano, and Steve Letizia. I want to kind of go around the horn and catch everybody up on what's been going on this summer. And I want to go with Steve first because you haven't been on in a while. Uh, you just got finished with the move. How's it been going?
3: has been good. Just, uh, me and my girlfriend just bought a house. So we moved in um, a couple weeks ago. It's been an adjustment, but we're we're getting the house settled. A lot of yard work, but uh, it's been good. It's been good.
2: Well, congratulations again on buying your first house. This is such a huge uh, life accomplishment. So on behalf of everyone listening, all the Bears brothers, you know, we are very excited about this new adventure in your life. And next up, let's go to Nick. How have you been, man? How's your new summer job? Well, not new summer job, but your typical summer job.
4: Been true? Yeah, new old summer job. I'm back to being a camp counselor. And it's exhausting. I went from working with high school kids who are obviously a little bit more mature to now six through 11 year olds who are just running around full of energy, but It is a good time. I'm just doing that right now, working out, obviously writing articles and preparing for a podcast each and every week. But yeah, it's been good. Awesome. Glad to hear it. I know you had a field trip today. You're a little under the weather, but you're a trooper. You're fighting through.
5: Over to B. Same old, same old over there, man. Same old, same old, just a lot of work. But I was excited before we hopped on the podcast to see that the Bears brought back big guys in compact cars with Spice Adams. That's exciting. But the downer was that their first guy is Eddie Jackson. And that that's not a downer that he's on there, but it's a downer because he's not as big as some of the guys they could put in those compact cars.
2: That's true. Rashad Coward, that would be a fun person. That would be a fun on. one. Exactly, exactly. And real quick, uh, just to get you guys up, I celebrated my first Father's Day on Sunday. Uh, for those longtime listeners, you know, back in last September, I adopted my nephew and we had our first Father's Day together. I just wanted to point out, he got me this book, uh, Things I Love About Dad, and number 16 is I admire your dedication to the Bears Brothers Podcast. So he knows how much it means to me, and he admires it. I mean, all the time he comes on the computer, uh, during, not during the shows, but you'll go in front of the mic and act like he's doing the show. It's so much fun. He watches each and every episode. Uh, but also, I want to mention, uh, today I met a new neighbor of mine. His name is Vad Lee. Um, if that name doesn't ring a bell to you, he actually played quarterback for Georgia Tech and also James Madison. And he played quarterback for James Madison at the same time as... Daniel Brown. So he told me, yeah, those two are so very close to keep in contact. And he's also a friend of a bear, Tariq Cohen. So such a small world. I'm happy I took a walk before the episode today, but it's pretty fun connection. Pretty cool guy to meet. No doubt about it. But guys, ready to get going?
5: Let's do it.
2: Awesome. Let's bury our hands in the dirt and get started. And I want to preface this preview by stating that the defensive line, it's an imperative position, especially with the question marks at outside linebacker. You know, It's going to be up to this unit to sustain the pass rush that I brought a year ago and get that much-needed push in the middle, especially if the outside backers indeed do struggle like we uh, kind of talked about last week. But let's go ahead and begin our discussion with the clear-cut leader up front, the monster at the five-tech, someone who strikes fear in opposing offenses week in and week out, and that's, of course, Akeem Hicks. Hicks is coming off a season in which he tallied 39 tackles, 15 of those for a loss, eight and a half sacks, and two fumble recoveries, all of which are career highs. And that's for the second straight season, because his previous career highs in those statistical categories came in 2016. So back-to-back seasons where Akeem Hicks is elevating his game, uh, setting new records for himself, new career highs, of course. That's great to see here if you're a Bears fan. And Steve, I want to go to you here first. And my question for you is, what makes Akeem Hicks so damn good?
3: Um, His size, his strength, I mean, everything about him is just a perfect five technique for Big Fangio's defense. Um, he, he's obviously, um, like I said, very strong, um, very stout at the point of attack. He can rush the passer a lot better than I thought he would when the Bears first signed him a few years ago. I think he's far exceeded expectations. Um, he's just, he's a monster. He's by far the best player on the Bears defense, no matter what Madden has done. Finally Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he he does everything. He eats double teams. He keeps the linebackers clean. Um, he he can rush a passer himself. He can stop the run. He's he's as close to a perfect defensive lineman as we've seen in Chicago in a long time.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. Nick, over to you. Kind of the same question. Like, what does Hicks do that allows him to give opposing offenses just fits week in week out?
4: I think it's his ability to collapse a pocket and that's where he uses his strength, his uh where he stays low in his stance and just bursts off right at the snap of the ball. That's what really puts Akeem Hicks in a different level from honestly these other defensive linemen that the Bears have. He's able to collapse the pocket and just get into the quarterback's face, whether it's, you know, getting the sack, which he obviously did uh, plenty of last season, or just getting to disrupt the pass or anything like that. And then his vision as well, Um, after Hicks, you know, bench presses a guy off of him, he's able to see where a running back goes, which lane he's going to, and then shove off that uh, blocker. And what I noticed watching the, the tape is that, Whenever he's in a double team, he loves using that spin move to get back into the lane where this running back, where whatever person with the ball is, he's able to find them with that spin move. But Akeem Hicks is by far one of the best, you know, defensive linemen, I think, in, in the NFL right now. He doesn't get the the credit that some of the other guys do, but he's a monster up the middle. And that ability, like I said, to collapse the pocket is what really puts him in front of the other Bears defensive linemen.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. I think you know, people when they talk about Akeem Hicks, uh, the one thing that they discuss all the time that's his strength. But I want to kind of highlight two underrated aspects of his game. And I think they are his get-off and his hand usage. You know, when I'm watching the tape, you know, you'll see him blow by opposing offensive linemen, just blowing them off the ball. And I think that's, you know, it puts him in an immediate position to succeed really on any given play. His hand's phenomenal. Nick, you talked about the spin move. He's always fighting, always trying to find a way to beat the guy in front of him. He doesn't take plays off. He doesn't, uh, if he gets blocked, he doesn't get sucked into it. He finds a way to fight off of it. And literally, you know, he can shed a block in a snap he is so fast with his hands he can just take an offense lineman shove him to his left shove him to his right and just have you know himself wide open right in the hole right where the offense is intending to go he does a good job uh just like i said making sure he doesn't get sucked into those blocks always fighting with those hands making it hard for opposing linemen uh, to have it their way and instead it's hicks who's usually having his way with them B, anything you like to add about akeem hicks what he brings to the table maybe his leadership
5: yeah, I was going to say he's the emotional leader of the team, With something we talked about last week with the outside linebackers, that we're kind of looking for someone who's going to step up in that role. But Akeem Hicks is the guy who I think leads the whole defense emotionally, not just the defensive line, the whole defense. I think he is the emotional leader, a uh, very vocal leader as well. And team players follow his, his leadership there.
2: Exactly. So something that we've talked about with Akeem Hicks, especially over the last two seasons, is just how much we think he's maybe perhaps a little overused over the last two seasons. uh, He's been on the field for about 85% of the bear snaps on defense. And I think of course, if the bears can find a way uh, to give him just a little bit more rest, you know, I want to know how would that maybe perhaps improve his game a little bit further. And I just want to compare real quick before I hand it over, I'm going to hand it over to Nick. So I'll let you kind of formulate some thoughts, Uh, but just to compare a couple of, you know, elite interior defenders. Uh, Aaron Donald, he played seventy four percent of the snaps last year, and Geno Atkins was only on the field for about sixty six percent of the snaps over there in Cincinnati. Akeem Hicks, eighty five percent. He's on the field so much more than those kind of guys. You know, he's been. Busting his ass more than the rest of the league, guys, is how I want to say it. But, Nick, over to you. If the Bears can find a way, uh, add a little bit more to the rotation, give them just a little bit more of a breather this season. Of course, it's going to help, too, if the Bears' defense is off the field a little bit more than they were a year ago with a new and improved offense.
4: But with uh, more rest, what can we expect from McKeem Hicks in 2018? Well, if with more rest, I don't think we're going to see the drop-off that Akeem Hicks, Akeem Hicks had in the second half of the season. I mean, he only had 1.5 sacks over the last eight games, and only one of those half sack came in the fourth quarter the entire season for Akeem Hicks. So I think if you're able to get more bodies in there, more people to, you know, like you said, he played 85% of the snaps, and that that number that you put about Aaron Donald, obviously probably the best interior defensive lineman in the game right now, defensive player in the game. Um, if you can give Akeem Hicks a little bit more rest to be able to just have that second half of the season be as strong as the first half, those numbers, those sack numbers, can go up. That um, just the productivity that he had over the course of the first half of the season can reflect in the second half of the season. So I think that's going to be huge for the Bears to find out who, which one of these guys can really step up to take the place of Akeem Hicks when he does need to take a breather. But it's definitely going to improve his game, just improve the overall defense, especially in that second half of the season.
2: Yeah, I think he's going to get that rest this year. I'll explain why later on in the show. But when you're looking at Hicks's game, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to find a weakness in it. But I want to know, guys, like, what does he need to do to maybe make that Pro Bowl something we've all been hoping he can do? Uh, is it just simply the Bears winning more games, becoming more of a nationally recognized team? Because you would think 15 sacks from one player in two seasons would just garner just a little bit more attention. Steve, I'm going to hand this off to you.
3: Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's not really much more he can do, but I think just playing less, I mean, it seems counterintuitive to take your best player off the field and he gets better, but, but it's so true. I mean, like you said, 85% of snaps is way too high. I think uh, only one other three, four defensive end played over 80% of the snaps last year. Um, so um, if you just, you play him less, uh, he's going to be more productive over the course of the year. He's going to get into that double digit sacks. Uh, the only issue is who who do you, who do you play instead of McKean Hicks? I mean, Besides Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman, who we'll talk about shortly, uh, there's a lot of question marks behind him. So, um, so someone's gonna have to step up. So that's that's. But really, there's nothing really more Akeem Hicks can do to make the Pro Bowl. I mean, he should have made it last year. So,
2: there you go. I mean, you, I was gonna say you heard it here first, but I think we all knew that by now. We are here in the middle of June. But guys, any final thoughts on Akeem Hicks before we move on?
5: Best pass rusher on the team. Hands down. Hands down.
2: All right, just had to make sure. Yes. All right, up next, we're going to slide inside and talk about the big man in the middle who is entering the final year of his rookie deal. But first, we need to take a quick timeout and tell you about our show's sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's something quite like being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, the Bears Brothers, we all have the SeatGeek app on our phones, our devices, and it's by far the easiest way that we've we've been able to shop for tickets, whether it be Bears games, uh, baseball games, uh, concerts as well. You know, we can just be anywhere and instantly find uh, seats within a few taps. I was recently looking at tickets for a few different games. Uh, the, number one, the Hall of Fame game is coming up less than 50 days away. We're going to be there. If you want to come on route on the Bears, Coach Neggi's first ever game on the sideline as the Bears head coach, definitely join us there. Uh, maybe the Bears home opener on Monday night against Seattle. And then, of course, if you're down in Miami or you're thinking about going to the Miami game, we're going to be there too with over 30 of our listeners. So we want to keep adding to it. So definitely check out SeatGeek for any of those. There's still plenty of amazing deals for all three of those games. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Make SeatGeek your go to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by three of my Bears Brothers. We have Brandon, Nick, and Steve here with me. And the four of us are breaking down and previewing the Bears defensive line. And we are now beginning our discussion on the starting nose tackle, Eddie Goldman, who did what we hoped he could. And that was to put together a relatively full season after dealing with injuries at the end of his rookie and for the most part of his second season. Remember, he missed 10 games in 2016. Last season, the healthy Goldman notched 44 total tackles, blowing his previous career high of 22 that he set as a rookie just out of the water. Now, before we get into more game-specific details, guys, I want to know your thoughts on his contract situation. Uh, do you look to extend him during camp like they did with uh, Charles Leno Jr. and Nakeem Hicks a year ago? Or do you wait and see with Goldman? I mean, there's two things to remember here. One, he's dealt with a fair share of injuries, both ankle and concussions issues throughout his career. And two, when he's healthy, he is a very, very good nose tackle for our Bears, and he's only 24, so he still has plenty of career ahead of him. Nick, I want to go to you first. What are your thoughts on the contract situation? What would you do if you were in Ryan Pace's shoes?
4: I do the exact same thing they did with uh, Leno and Hicks. I would signed some uh, sometime during training camp. Um, I think Eddie Goldman showed last season that he can remain healthy, and I think he could still be be even better. And Vic Fangio said himself, he's probably up there with some of the best interior guys at his position. He says that if he wants to become a lead, he just needs to do a little bit more. And I think Fangio has a faith that he can become that. But I think the Bears will end up. Extend that contract some point during training camp.
2: And don't forget, it's imperative for Ryan Pace to lock in those draft picks. He's so big on building this team through the draft, especially his first draft. There's another contract situation we talked about about three weeks ago in the secondary with Adrian Amos. Uh, So two guys from his inaugural draft class that I think he would be wise to lock into a longer term deal sooner rather than later. But uh, B, over to you. Uh, Do you kind of mirror Nick's thoughts here in terms of the contract?
5: I'd like to. I just don't know that it happens. I think he's going to kind of wait and play this year out because, like, you brought up the injury thing, you know, the concussion, the ankles, things of that nature. And he also drafted a rookie, Lyle Nichols, out of Delaware, that we'll talk about later, uh, who plays very similarly to Eddie Goldman. And I love Eddie Goldman dearly. I really hope that he comes back and they they extend his contract a little bit longer. I, I really do hope that. I think they're just going to kind of play this year out first to see what's going to happen.
2: Sounds good. Do you have a fire bee? I do not. Is that Steve?
3: That's me. My girlfriend's
2: burning the food. Oh, geez. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's—I uh, was going to say it's hilarious, but you have to eat it, so I do feel bad for you. But uh, so, Nick, I want to go over to you real quick about Eddie Goldman. Uh, of course, we're talking about him breaking him down. You talked about when you're watching—he did some good things last year. What are some things that Eddie Goldman uh, did that uh, definitely proves uh, that he's taking the next steps? I know being healthy, he was able to put together a larger sample size, which of course helps him—you uh, know—put some things together, get some confidence, get some consistency out there.
4: You know, obviously, we know that he can occupy offensive linemen, and he's just not an easy guy to move. But his ability to shed blocks is really what uh, stood out to me from last season. That's why he had the total—you uh, know—his total tackles was a lot higher this season as opposed to his freshman uh, or his rookie season. Sorry, um, but and you put a great uh, pick or a great video of that on the inst- on the Twitter page today or a couple days ago, showing that he was flowing one way but instantly just sheds the block and gets into the running lane, wherever that running back's at, and is able to make that tackle. That showed up consistently with Eddie Goldman in his play throughout the 2017 season. And that's what I was really impressed with. I didn't think that Eddie Goldman was that elusive, but, I mean, he kept on showing well, it over and over again. So that's what I really liked about him.
5: I just want to add to Nick's point there. It's not necessarily his elusiveness. It's his ability to create space between him and the offensive lineman. I he always has that arm fully, fully extended to where he can bounce around to different holes, and he's athletic enough he's able to do it. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean,
2: I was just saying, I, I was looking at my notes. The number one thing I have on the notes, of Eddie Goldman is his ability to keep separation with his arms. So like yep. we're all, we all are seeing the same thing here guys.
4: Yeah. And that's what really stood out to me because coming out of uh, Florida state, we all knew that he was going to occupy offensive linemen. And that's going to obviously clog up the running lanes and create opportunities for the linebackers. But that really stood out to me just seeing that he's able to create that separation and just make the tackle afterwards.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because you know, when he, you're keeping that separation, it allows him to be really effective against the run because he can not only shed, but he also can get over the blocks, over the top, of him, over in front of the play uh, to plug up that hole in a hurry. Which, of course, that allows you to make more TFLs, makes you more. I think plays like that really prove that he can be that long-term anchor here for the Bears, especially under Vic Fangio. And something else that I want to mention about him, and it's, it's something that uh, you're not going to hear about a ton. It's about Eddie Goldman. It's when you're looking at his stats, you looking at his plays, you're watching him on the film. You can watch him uh, make tackles 7, 10, 12 yards down the field. And obviously I'm not saying it's ideal to have your nose tackle, you know, making those sorts of plays on a consistent basis. Um, but I think it's a true testament to his hustle, his determination out there on the field, you know. He doesn't really give up on a play and he'll chase people down from behind and for a nose tackle to catch up to a ball carrier 12 yards down the field to make that play. I think that is, again, it's a testament to his hustle and his grit out there. Um, I would rather have Goldman make that 12 yard uh, that tackle 12 yards on the field than that running back gain any extra yardage. So this is something I just wanted to point out about Eddie. Uh, Steve, if your food is not burning anymore, I'm going to go over to you. Any thoughts on Eddie Goldman real quick?
3: Yeah, um, I just want to touch on his contract situation a little bit because I, I didn't get a chance to do that when the alarm was going off. But um, I think you do want to extend him in training camp if possible. Um, one, the price is going to be lower if you're able to get him before he – because I think he is going to have a breakout year. Um, and two, he's just the perfect fit for their defense right now. Uh, you guys mentioned on the last podcast the Bears have some of the smallest inside linebackers in the league, so they need a, a nose tackle who's going to keep them clean, who's going to keep, who's going to eat up double teams and make sure that Brocon Smith, Danny Trevathan can fly around the field and make tackles. So uh, he's perfect for that. So I think you just, you 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 know he, what you have with him, extend him as soon as possible. And then like basically like what you guys said, yeah, he's great against the run. Um, if if there's anything that you can prove on, obviously you, like, you would like to see a little bit more pass rush out of him. Um, he had four and a half sacks as a rookie, but only one and a half this past year in 15 games. Um, and I think uh, part of that was because um, he didn't play as much as um, Akeem Hicks. He only played about 60% of snaps. Uh, but I think... Uh, which I think that's probably what they want to keep him around is 60% of the snaps, but he just has to work on his conditioning, make sure he can actually play 60% of the snaps with it at a high level.
2: I think he'll have a better conditioning this year because he dealt with a high ankle sprain for a long time uh, at the tail end of his rookie year. Most of his second season in league two, and it had to linger on a little bit throughout last year, the OTAs. So now he's been healthy. He's putting together another full OTAs. I'm assuming Uh, that his conditioning is going to probably be the best it's ever been in his entire career this season, which I agree, Steve. I think Eddie Goldman's in for that breakout year. And Nick, you mentioned Vic Fangio talking about him a little bit back. And a quote I have from Vic on Goldman is, you know, he's a good, solid player. And if he's going to be considered more than a good, solid player, this will be the year to show it. Nick, how does Goldman show it in 2018?
4: I mean, he's got to do a lot of things that he did last season, staying, well, one, healthy, because like we said, this is the first season we really saw Eddie Goldman was able to stay on the field for majority of the season. But I think the big thing now, I mean, obviously, if he's occupying those running lanes, he's able to make these tackles, you want to see some more um, times where he's able to collapse the pocket. He doesn't necessarily have to get the sacks, just disrupt the quarterback a little bit to where maybe the throws off, the timings off, anything like that, because if you could do it up the middle, that's that's a worse thing for a quarterback. But Honestly, I also,
5: go ahead finish it.
4: I mean, I was I was gonna end it with that. If you can disrupt a quarterback, obviously you had four and a half. Steve mentioned that he had four and a half sacks his rookie year, only one and a half. You can get get around five sacks. That's all I'm asking for. I think that would be considered a great season, able to stay healthy. That's how Eddie Goldman should do it. I'm I'm in
5: the same boat as you guys. I think that he really has to improve as a pass rusher, but at the same time, in a three-four defense with him being the anchor. Uh, And if he somehow gets beat on a move and gets pushed the outside, that leaves the whole middle of the field open for a quarterback. So at the same time, I'd love to see him be a pass rusher, but he's got to be really smart about when he does it as well. So I I would like him to get five sacks as well, but he's got to be really, really smart about when he decides to go.
2: Yeah, no one's going to complain if Eddie Goldman finishes the year with five sacks. But like Vic Fangio said, like we've all said, this is a big season for big old 91 in the middle of this Bears defense. And Steve, I'm going to go for you real quick. Uh, What would make this season a success uh, in Eddie Goldman's terms?
3: Well, I mean, success, all you would want him to really do is stop the run. And I would count that as a success. If he duplicates what he did last year, I'd say it's a successful season. Obviously, you want to see more pass rush, and I think he can do it. And that would be it. a great beyond successful season but even if he just keeps doing what he does um at the very worst you have a great run stuffing nose tackle which is very valuable so um if you can get five sacks that'd be incredible um but even if you just get that up to two or three but consistently push the pocket and just push the center and guards back into the quarterback be disruptive i think that would be a success for him
4: what about you nick
2: what are your expectations for this season
4: um, I mean, like I said, if, I would I, I think he can get up to that five sack level. I really do. And honestly, to stay on the field, he he played, I think it was all was it sixteen or fifteen games last season? Fifteen. Fifteen. So I think he should be around there. Um be able to continue shedding those blocks, uh, creating that separation. And again, he's gonna have hopefully a more healthy uh uh I guess rested Akeem Hicks, some other guys are in that rotation. That's just going to help the entire defensive line. But yeah, expect him to do a lot of what he did last season, but just a little bit more. I mean,
2: I think that's fair. I think that's right where he should be right now. And like, you know, Fangio said, he just has to do a little bit more to be considered a great player. And I think he's on the cusp. If you can stay healthy, I don't see any situation in which he doesn't really accomplish just that. All right, up next, we're going to talk about a position battle on the other defensive end opposite of Akeem Hicks. But first, I want to know, are you listening? Can you hear us? If so, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Let us know what you think about our show. You know, we're all here for uh, feedback and we want to know what you think. And of course, every time we reach some milestones, like I think the next one is 250 reviews, which are only like 41 away. Uh, we're going to give away some more free Bears gear, our gear to some lucky listeners. So definitely leave a review of our show if you can. If you don't have iTunes or Apple Podcasts, we have a spot over on our Facebook page so you to review the show there as well. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and talk about those two guys battling it out for the opposite defensive end starting spot, and that's going to be Roy Robertson-Harris and John Bullard. Robertson-Harris, you know, he was that pleasant surprise last season. You know, at this time a year ago, uh, none of us were really sure what to expect because he was transitioning from outside linebacker to defensive end, and he ended up appearing in 13 games. He had 13 tackles, uh, two sacks, one pass defense, and about 212 snaps. Then the other hand, Bowler, he's been, I want to say, slowly coming along. I think it's fair to say he still hasn't lived up to expectations. He was thought of as a steal in the third round uh, two years back, but he's really yet uh, to leave that mark. Remember, it was said uh, that he had a hard time adjusting to Fangio's defense as a rookie. I think last year we saw glimpses of improvement after he added about 15 pounds of muscle to his frame. He was able to hold up a little bit better at the point of attack. He appeared in every single game, he had 26 tackles, a sack. Two, passes, uh, two pass deflections, and a forced fumble. But we still want to see more out of the former Gator. But let's start with Robertson Harris. I want to know, guys, what are some of your thoughts that you would like to see, um, some things maybe uh, that you would like to see him build upon uh,
4: from last season? And Nick, you're going to be first up. You know, I just want to see Roy Robertson Harris actually play more. He only played 20% of the defensive snaps last season. And obviously the bears towards the end of the season, weren't really obviously in the thick of things going into the playoffs or anything like that. But John Bullard really got more of those snaps more than Robertson Harris did. So I want to see him continue to play. He's still new at this position. He's still learning how to actually be uh, whether he's on the inside or the outside. Um, but that's a big thing with, him is that he's got he's got the size six foot seven 294 pounds you want to mold him to whatever you see best fit in this defense but I think he just needs to get more um, you know reps on the actual game day because we we haven't seen a lot of Roy Robertson Harris he did some good things in the preseason but again you're playing against guys that are not maybe not even in the league anymore most likely so that's what I want to see more of from Roy Robertson Harris just getting on the field and making you know impact plays whether if you can't get to the quarterback use that tall frame knock down a ball and we saw him do that a couple of times but i definitely want to see more of that there just needs to be more uh more game tape to look from to look at from him
2: all right mr trenches your thoughts on
5: roy robertson harris he's got all the intangibles like nick said he's got the size he's six seven he's just a little short of 300 pounds and he moves really well for his size. He possesses that uh, attacking mindset. When you watch him on tape, he just looks angry all the time, fighting with his hands, trying to get guys out of the way. And when he hits the quarterback or whoever he's tackling, I mean, he he puts a pretty good hit on him. They're not like the big jaw dropping popping kind of kind of hits, but he hits them pretty hard. So I think like Nick said, he really just needs to see the field a little bit more. And I would I, 20% is a low number for him. He's just got so many good things that you can't coach frame size Uh, athletic ability, I think that that deserves to be on the field a little bit more by itself, but he has to be able to show something to be able to earn that playing time, and I I think he's going to do it. It's taken him some time uh, to learn from the transition from outside linebacker to DN, and I think this year he's, he's poised to have a breakout year, I think.
2: Sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, when I was watching the film, uh, I saw some growth. I saw some development. I want to point out something that really caught my eye. Early on in the season, uh, when he was making plays, it was really due to his off, which is really quick, and his lateral speed. He was able to run around guards and tackles, penetrate the pocket. But as the season wore on, and I saw this against the Bengals, I saw this against the Browns, he started to win with his bull rush, a move that he really didn't have early on in the season. He started to instantly collapse the pocket, close holes against the run, and if he can get more confident with that move, um, we all know he's an athlete, you guys already mentioned that, but if he can start winning with power. Opposing linemen are going to be really off balance. they are not really going to know how Roy Robinson Harris is going to attack them on any given play. Is he going to try to go around me? Is he going to try to go through me? I think early on, they kind of caught on like, okay, this guy's purely a finesse an athletic kind of defensive end. But then when he started winning with power, it makes offense linemen you know, question himself just a little bit more. And on top of that, Roy Robson-Harris, you know, he's good against the run. Um, he got better as the season went on as well. But again, his ability to stack, shed, close on the ball carrier is really promising. Steve, with a whole other OTAs at the position, I think his confidence is going to continue to rise. Uh, what would you expect out of Roy Robson-Harris this year? Does he have a legitimate shot uh, to win this job over a John Bullard?
3: Uh, I think, yeah, he definitely has a legitimate shot. Um, he, he's one of the Bears' better pass rushing defensive linemen. Uh, he generated a pressure every 9.2% of pass rush snaps, which was actually second on the team behind Akeem Hicks. Um, so especially on third down, I think he's going to play a lot more. Um, if he wants to um, play more on first and second down, he's got to get a little bit better against the run. Um, he, like we mentioned, he's six seven, which helps out a lot of the times, but you don't see a lot of six seven interior de- defensive linemen, and that's for a reason. Because it's hard to generate leverage when you're that tall. So smaller offensive linemen can get awesome offensive linemen kind of out leverage him. Um, so he just needs to work on keeping his pad level low, shooting out of his snap a little bit, lo- uh, out of his stance a little lower. Um, and then if, if he gets better against the run, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for him.
5: He needs to get that that hashtag Fangio fire under him to uh. That's
3: right.
5: Yep. You
2: know, I failed. I didn't even tweet hashtag Fangio fire uh, once uh, this last uh, week. I did uh, yesterday. Uh, well, We'll get get it going on Twitter. There we go. We'll get it going. (laughs) Let's get Fangio fire trending people. No, seriously, let's move on to John Bullard real quick. Nick, over to you. What does he need to maybe refine to take that next step? Because this season, I think Bears fans, we really need to see him take a step up and just prove his value to this team.
4: Yeah, so when I when I thought they were going to draft him in the second round where I thought he would go, and I saw him going in the third round, it was because of that explosiveness off the line. He was able to just jump the snap, get to quarterbacks, cause disruption in the backfield, get to the quarterback. Well, where is that? We haven't seen that yet. And we know that Bullard has you know taken some time to adjust the NFL game and had to work on that stuff, but that's what I want to see this season, that explosiveness, and that's probably a reason why the Bears drafted him because he has that potential. So that's what I think you need to work on this. Does a robot
3: know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots
1: don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect
4: it. Now that he's kind of been acclimated to the NFL game, knows the system, he's, you know, another year under his belt, I think that's where he needs to work on, just making impact plays. And he has that explosive get off. Now we just need to see it in actual games. Now in the preseason where we see, you know, Bullard and Roy Robinson Harris like show glimpses. This needs to happen during the course of the regular season. But I think that's the biggest thing that I want to see from Jonathan Bullard. I
2: agree. I had in here, I did not see that explosiveness, that elite get off nearly as as much as I was hoping to when I was watching his film. It wasn't there. It It was there in glimpses there very rarely, but it wasn't nearly as consistent as it should be for a player of his caliber, especially with that speed getting off the ball. Um at least I want to at least cope that with a positive. Something I've noticed at least compared to his rookie season, he is getting better at the point of attack. I think that does go back to the muscle that he added to his frame. Uh, on top of that um, improvement at setting the edge, forcing plays back inside, keeping his lane integrity. So he's doing his job. He just needs to find a way to be more impactful. Um, and on top of this, I've talked about it all last season. I talked about his rookie year. I'm going to talk about it. Now this guy takes plays off and I don't like to call people out on that too much because it's hard, but I even watching the film again, it's, you know Eddie Goldman, I talked about it, right? He's making those plays seven, ten yards down the field. It's rare when you see John Bullard chase someone from behind and make a tackle. Usually, when the play gets past him, he's just kind of jogging. And that's something I want to kind of not see happen here in 2018. But B,
5: over to you. Your thoughts on John Bullard? I was going to mention that uh, because when we drafted him, that was something that we all kind of went, "Well, his motor might, you know, not necessarily be there, but he'll work on it. He'll get that hashtag Fangio fire, and he really needs it this year, uh, to to really." win the position battle I think I think he's behind the eight ball I think Roy Robertson Harris wins this wins this battle but he he needs to work on getting a higher motor wants to be hungrier to want to go out there on the field and play because I think that explosiveness will show when um when he gets that higher motor going when he wants to be able to go get after the quarterback and be a little bit meaner he's got those those pounds on him it's just he needs to be able to show it Nick, you
2: disagree with my assessment, which is totally fine. We don't disagree much, but you saw something opposite on film.
4: Go ahead. Yeah. When I was watching the film, I I saw, I mean, there must've been a couple of games where there were times where it's either a screen pass, it's a screen pass to the wide receiver, and they get past the linebackers. And Jonathan Buller's running 10, 15 yards down the field. Maybe he's not making the tackle, but he's right there in the vicinity of it. So... I don't know. Maybe I was watching not the plays where he he didn't go, or I don't know. That's weird because either I way, have, it's inconsistent. It's inconsistent, maybe. But I mean, I have strengths. Uh, it's a third point of the strengths, but it's you know showed a better motor this season. So uh, that is weird that we both have polar opposites. But again, it needs to become to where it shouldn't be one person's thinking the exact opposite. Where okay, Jonathan Bullard, regardless of where the play is at, he's going to be there. But okay. So that's something that he needs to work on.
2: Well, exactly. That's the thing too. Like you saw some good effort. I saw, again, I saw some good. It's just, it's not as consistent as I think an NFL player should have. So I think that's just where he needs to continue to improve. Let's go over to Steve. We haven't got to him in a bit. Uh, Your thoughts on Bullard entering 2018 expectations?
3: Yeah, my expectations are actually pretty high for Jonathan Bullitt. I I think he's going to win the battle over Roy Robinson, Robertson Harris. Actually, uh, it was weird though when he was when he was drafted. I was really excited, as you guys mentioned. You know, he got him in the third round. I thought he was. Everyone really thought he was going to go in the second round. So, I, I mean, I thought he was the steal of draft, and they drafted him to be that uh, with that because of that quick get off to be that pass rusher on on passing downs, and thats he hasn't really been that at all. He only has like two sacks in, in two years. Um, but he has been really. He actually has been really good against the run, which I didn't think. Um, he was going to be when they drafted him. Um, so I think that's why he wins the job because he's better against the run than Roy Robinson Harris. Um, but I think Roy Robinson Harris might have more upside than Jonathan Bowman.
2: It's it's funny. Two years ago, we would have never said that. We would have been completely opposite before we found out a little bit more about Roy Robinson Harris, of course. Uh, but one thing on John Bullard that I want to point out, I really like his awareness, especially where he is on the field, certain situations. um, His one force fumble this past season was all about awareness. Uh, the play went to the opposite side. Uh, Bullard, he found himself in the backfield pretty much untouched. Floyd kept his to contain, and it was against the Saints. He forwards Mark Ingram back inside. Uh, Hicks knocked him back, kind of had uh, Ingram off-balance a little bit, and instead of just watching it unfold, Bullard came in from behind got his arm on the ball with the off-balance ball carrier, and it just popped right on out. So those smart plays to you know know when to go up there, kind of get your hand the ball, especially from behind in the backfield. I thought that was a very keen observation for him to go in and attack that play. And, of course, the Bears got a turnover out of it, so hopefully more plays like that. Is in Bullard's future, Steve already said he believes Bullard wins the starting job. Regardless, I think they're going to be splitting plenty of snaps this season. But, Nick, over to you. Who wins the job and why? I'm going
4: to go with Bullard again. Um, I think that, again, he was on the field more than Roy Robertson Harris for a reason. Again, Steve mentioned that he was able actually to stand his ground and able to stop the run a little bit better Than when Roy Robinson Harris got into the game. So I think that's why Bullard will eventually um, win the starting job in training camp. But again, we want to see that explosiveness and then they'll just finalize that position for now, at least. Um, But I think Bullard will eventually win it.
5: B, what about you? Uh, I already said Ray Robertson-Harris uh, is going to win the starting job because I think that he's just got more upside. He's got more potential. He really just needs to be on the field to get those reps, and he's shown that he can do some very good things. He's He has the ability to be a playmaker, and I think he, just, he has to be on the field given his size.
2: You know, regardless of your team Bullard, team Robertson-Harris, one thing is for sure, and that's going to be this is a fun battle to watch come training camp. I'm very excited to watch this one unfold. All right, guys, let's just go right on down the pecking order here. Next up is going to be the rookie out of Delaware, Bilal Nichols. In just his senior season, uh, Nichols tallied 56 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, an interception, and a fumble recovery. His former defensive line coach in Delaware said of him, he comes to practice every day and gives everything he has. He will work continuously until he accomplishes his goal or he'll die trying just a testament to the work ethic that Nichols brings to the table. And then when he was uh, asked on all access of what type of player the Bears are getting, uh, he says uh, due to his size and athletic ability, he would compare himself to – does anyone else listen to the episode? Does anyone else know? Is it no. Bill? No. He, uh, that was he my com- comparison. Oh, there you go. He compares himself to a Fletcher Cox, guys. So that's a great comparison. And especially if he's going to put that pressure upon himself. Uh, I mean, that's exciting to me. And like his uh, coach at Delaware said, you know, he's going to do everything possible to accomplish his goal. And if he's already setting Fletcher Cox expectations up for himself, that's exciting. And it definitely should be exciting to you too. But guys to begin, you know, Nichols, he's a very versatile lineman. Where do you see him
4: fitting in three tech, five tech, mix of both insight, please, Nick, you're up. So I was actually watching, um, it was some Bears uh, video. It was Chris Prescott, the National Scout. They, he actually said that the Bears envisioned him playing both the nose and the end. So they see him, again, that versatility, being able to play anywhere along that defensive line. He also mentioned, Prescott, that he wants to see Nichols gain a little bit more weight. Not to take away from his speeders, get off or anything, but just to be able to um, go against, obviously, these bigger offensive linemen in the NFL. But So I think we're going to see Nichols, regardless of who's out there, at any position to where the Bears really need him to fill in. And I think he's going to be able to do that uh, effectively. Um, and then I read an article uh, while I was on the bus ride today on our field trip. Uh, it was a the defensive line coach from Delaware, uh, Laverne uh, Beelan said that he plays well with his hands. So I think that's why regardless of where Nichols lines up on that defensive line, he's going to be able to have success. He just got to get acclimated to the game. It, like, again, Jonathan Bullard had to do it. Eddie Goldman, these younger guys that came in and now, you know, are kind of doing some things more so with Eddie Goldman, but Nichols is a very versatile guy. And I think he's going to provide a lot more depth at the overall defensive alignment. give again, Akeem Hicks a break once in a while. That's all we need. I think that's a
2: big reason why they drafted him. I think I said that the same day uh, during our draft reaction shows. I think this is a, a Hicks type of breather type of person where we're bringing him in a, man, a little bit more beef up front, someone who can give that man that much needed breather. Um, but let's go over to Steve. I mean, transitioning from you know playing at Delaware all the way to the pro level, especially in the trenches, it's going to be quite an adjustment. So, what should we expect from Nichols as a rookie, and what do you think he's going to bring to the table?
3: Uh, I'm actually really excited about Nichols. Um, When he was drafted, I was kind of like I didn't really know much about him. But after after the draft, I kind of watched more tape and then preparing for this podcast. I'm actually really excited for him. Um, He's really athletic. He in I mean, he's obviously coming from a smaller school, as we mentioned, and he won mostly just because he is bigger and more athletic than everyone. So he's got to work on his hand technique. He's got to use his arm, his length a little bit better, but he does have 34 inch arms. So if he if he um, he's going to be working with Jay Rogers, the defensive line coach. And if he if everything clicks for him, I wouldn't be surprised if he um, starts pushing for some starting time uh, about halfway through the year.
2: I mean, that would be uh, I mean, of course, you want to see everyone succeed. But if you can draft the player and you can find a way to make an impact as a rookie, I mean, that's just, you know, that's a bonus. That's an added benefit to the entire team. What about you, B? What do you expect out of him this year?
5: What do I expect out of him? I don't expect him to get much playing time early, but like Steve said, probably about halfway through the year, I'd expect him. I don't want to sit to get a starting role, but he'll be more comfortable with the NFL game. Uh, I mean, once, once he gets the reps, he'll be a lot more comfortable. He'll be able to play either DN or nose tackle. And he, I compare him to Eddie Goldman, uh, just to circle back to that point I made earlier, just because of the way he, he plays, he's got long arms. Like Steve said, he, Keeps very good distance from the offensive lineman, and it's very rare that an offensive lineman keeps his hand on him for any extended period of time. He's good at keeping hands off of him, and he's disciplined enough to stay at home if he knows he's not going to be able to get to the quarterbacks. So that way, they're not going to scramble up the field. I mean, he's he's not only you know gifted physically with the long arms, good hands, uh, but he's smart as well. So I, I expect him to be able to pick it up pretty quick, and halfway through, I expect him to be able to be in a regular rotation between end and nose tackle.
2: Yeah, again, it's you know, you see it on college film. That's great. And this kid has, you know, excellent determination. I love his mindset. I love how he sets the bar high for himself. He's always striving to become a better player. And he's a great person off the field, too, if you don't if you want to look up some backstory on him. But I just I fear a little bit of an adjustment period. Like you guys said, maybe halfway through the season, he starts, you know, things start clicking. But just going from playing at Delaware up front where he was by far the best defender on the field each and every time he was out there to so now in the NFL, where he's one of many, I'm going to be intrigued to camp. The one thing I'd be watching with Nichols, is just how well can he uh, go against NFL linemen, especially when he's going out there, perhaps going against the bears starting offensive line. I want to see how he kind of stacks up to maybe a Cody white here, a, Kyle long when he's out there, Eric Cush, James Daniels. I want to see where he stacks up. And then I think that let me have a, a clearer picture of what Nichols is going to be able to accomplish this season right now. I think there's a lot of unknown in training camps when we're going to start getting some answers. What about you, Nick? Any final thoughts on Nichols?
4: Um, like you said, uh, I think that again, we have to uh, keep in mind that a lot of bears rookies have always seen the field in their first season. They've always been, you know, pretty much huge impact players so it's not going to be a surprise to me if Nichols you know makes it earlier in the season because again they want to keep Hicks fresh for the second half of the season so might as well play him in that first half a little bit to mix them in so the longevity of Hicks season lasts longer the whole entire defensive line you want to keep that a fresh rotation of players so with Nichols I just want to see him Again, learn this NFL game, just learn from his coach. learn from the great guys that he has in front of him and Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks. If you learn from those two guys, I think you're doing things right.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like a win-win there too. If you can get Nichols out there early, you made a great point because not only does it allow Akeem Hicks to have a more uh, season with more sustained success because he'll be more fresh as the year goes all around, but you'll also kind of expedite the process his development Nichols at least a little bit more. So Especially if the Bears are clicking on offense like we're anticipating. It might not hurt to throw Nichols out there. That's a very good point. Even if he's not quite 100% ready, just to get him the experience. Go ahead and get Hicks that much-needed break. That's a great observation, Nick. I just wanted to applaud you on that. I I definitely see the win-win situation there. I know. Had to boost the already super high (laughs) ego that is uh, Mr. Moriano. But, uh, B, you said you had a final thought?
5: I do, and this might be one of the worst comparisons ever. uh, Oh, don't do do it. We're talking about, about Nichols on one side of the ball, uh, and I'm going to compare Joe Flacco, another Delaware guy, who made an adjustment to the NFL, and he seems to do okay. He won a, a Super Bowl MVP. So different sides of the ball, different positions. Apples With and oranges aspects of the game, absolutely. But just <laughs> wanted to throw out another Delaware guy that made a pretty good transition. All right. I suppose. but
2: (laughs) (laughs) I had no clue. We're going to be going all the way to Joe at this point. But uh, one more thing I want to mention real quick is even if we don't see any eye popping numbers from him, uh, something that I'll be paying attention to, and I'm going to encourage our listeners, you guys as well uh, throughout the season, is just how well we can help those linebackers like a Roquan Smith, because I mean, we talked about it, everyone's talked about it, that Roquan Smith needs help up front to be able to play his game to the fullest extent. And someone like Nichols, he's a guy who should be able to keep Smith clean. He can engage multiple offensive linemen, uh, keep them from reaching the second level. And it's something a Hicks does quite well. And if you get Nichols who can do the same, Eddie Goldman is someone else who does this quite well. This should be uh that should leave Trevathan, that should leave Smith. Uh, you know, wide open to just take care of business, clean up, and just do their job. So Nichols, I think even if you don't see the bigger numbers out of him this season, the stats, just look for his impact, what he can do with Roquan Smith. If he's helping Roquan Smith be the best he can be, then Nichols in many aspects is doing a heck of a job, even if the stats don't indicate otherwise. All right, guys, time for some real talk. And I want you to be honest, okay? 100% honest here. We talked about Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Roy Robertson-Harris, John Bullard, and now Nichols. Who here thinks that each and every one of those players is on the active roster this season? Because I can't I can't see a situation where that is not uh, the active roster right now. At least all five of them. Anyone? Anyone disagree? Crickets. Cricket noise. Crickets. Okay, because last season, the Bears kept five defensive linemen. And if you're keeping the score at home, that's five. So there's our starting. Offense. I mean, defensive line. If I said offense, I'm sorry. I'm halfway through the episode, but, uh, yeah, so that's it. That's our defensive line rotation guys. No one else. We shouldn't even talk about anyone else.
5: Defensive line rotation. Yes. But there's one guy I think that still makes the team.
2: See, that's an interesting point because two years ago they did keep six. So there's potentially one more roster spot up for grabs here at the defensive line. So let's go ahead and talk about those potential guys. You have John Jenkins, Abdullah Anderson. Nick Williams,
5: uh, Boomi wrote to me and Kavon Walker. uh, B who's your guy. I have John Jenkins. I mean, he's strong, big body guy that fills up the middle. He's not going to fill the stat sheet. He's not even going to play all that much. Uh, but I think he's going to get some special teams reps. I don't know exactly what his percentage was last year, but I remember him seeing out there some, and he's not a bad guy that's going to fill in in the defense if you absolutely need him, even though I really don't want him to be able to fill in in the defense. I hope that uh, there's other guys that step up or the injury bug doesn't bite quite as bad where he doesn't have to play, but I think he's going to get some special teams time.
2: What about you, Nick? Out of these guys, do you see one carving out that sixth roster spot if it's available or do you see anyone perhaps sticking on the uh the practice squad because they have a few undrafted free agents here
4: yeah i think kavon walker from maryland's an interesting guy um he's a converted uh linebacker to defensive lineman um he got injured he had a foot injury and that sidelined him then he put on some muscle so he's a little too slow for the linebacker position so he tried out um as a defensive lineman he might be a guy that has a lot of upside. You know what you're going to get with John Jake. It's a guy that, you know, fills his role, does what he needs to do. Not an impactful player, but why not take a chance? If if you're going to bring a six guy on the roster, why not take a chance on one of these projects guys and see what they can, you know, maybe become. But I think they're just going to go with the five. But if I had to go with one, just uh, saying it right now, I'd go with Kavon Walker from Maryland. Okay. What about you, Steve? Any of these guys
2: kind of uh, pique your interest when you're doing some research?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think they do end up keeping six defensive linemen. I think John Jenkins is going to be that guy. Um, he is what it is. He's not going to rush the passer at all, but he is 60 pounds, <laughs> and he's going to eat up double teams and stop the run. And I, th- he's right. a veteran. I think he makes a team. If um, there was another guy like his Boomi Rotimi, um, he played out uh, outside linebacker or, or edge rusher in college. Um, So he's only 275 pounds. He's going to have to put on some weight. I don't expect him to make the team, but I do expect him to make the practice squad. And maybe a year from now, two years from now might be, he might be a player to look out for.
2: Yeah. You know, wrote to me, uh, he's a undrafted free agent out of old dominion. Uh, Even though he missed three games last year with injury, he still had 29 tackles, seven for a loss, five and a half sacks, five pass breakups. And this uh, that's in nine games. But one thing I noticed that he did have both knee and back issues in college. So that's a little worrisome. Uh, For me, this looking, I'm more leaning towards an Abdullah Anderson. He's out of Buck now. He was a Patriot League Defensive Player of the Year, and he's just known for being a very explosive player. Uh, He had 42 tackles, nine for a loss, and two and a half sacks last season. Um, But when you watch him, there's not a lot of tape. I mean, you're playing in the Patriot League. There is not a lot of uh, tape out there to kind of go find. Um, But what I've been able to read, what I've been able to watch, he's a very explosive player, by far the best defender on the field, And anything I've watched, I know, again, huge transition, but that's why I see him, uh, Anderson, being like a practice squad candidate. And then, of course, Nick Williams. I just like it. It's a combination of Nick and I's name. (laughs) That's all I have on. Perfect. Perfect. No, he didn't play last year. He got cut in the preseason. To me, Nick Williams is a camp body to someone that uh he does have a Nagy connection. He was in Kansas City for his first three years in the league. So I think this is Nagy kind of giving him an extra shot. because uh, again, he was on the active roster for any team last year it as it's cut in the preseason. So uh, but more than likely just a camp body there. But any final thoughts on these bottom tier guys? Cause for the most part, I think the Bears keep five, and if they do do six, it's gonna be Uh, Of course, Jenkins, just kind of like what Brandon and Steve's
5: kind of uh, already echoed. I just want to add to the Abdullah Anderson uh, comments there. He's a productive player, and that's what Ryan Pace looks for in some of those lower tier school guys. He had 15 and a half sacks for his career there at uh, Bucknell. I had to come up with the school for a second there. but I mean, he's a productive, explosive player, like you said. Well, so I think if there's a reason that he makes it, I think it's just because he dominates at that level.
2: All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for our player by player breakdown. Let's go ahead and dive into the final segment. I'm going to give you guys a few big picture questions and, of course, some uh, season predictions for this positional group. Uh, first things first, and Nick, I'll go to you. Who's the X factor on the defensive line this season?
4: The X factor. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Jonathan Buller. I think this is time to show what he is in the NFL right now. Obviously. Well, we've we've both talked about it. where's that explosiveness at? That will factor into where, you know, maybe he's on this team for not even not just twenty eighteen, but next year after that. Can he be a guy? He played six or he played, I think, forty percent of the snaps. Can he be impactful with these next snaps that he's gonna take in twenty eighteen? So I want to see Jonathan Bullard have more of an impact on the defensive line. Okay. What about you B? I'm
5: gonna go with Eddie Goldman. Uh nose tackle isn't exactly the sexiest position out there, especially in a three-four defense because he's you know, the anchor of the defense that he can't let the runs get by him. He's got to be able to set up the linebackers to explode through different holes. He can soak up a double team. I think that he does a lot of things that go outside of the stat sheet uh, that really prove his worth.
2: All right, Steve, over to you. Uh,
3: I'm going to go with Nick. I'm going to go with Jonathan Bullard. Um, it's he's entering his third year. Uh, this is kind of a make or break year for him. Um, he needs to show more pass rush. He, he's like you said, he's good against the run already, but if he can just, if he can be the player he was at Florida, uh, with that quick first step and maybe get four or five sacks, I think he can be the X factor of the defense.
2: All right. And Steve, I want to go right back to you for the next question. Uh, when you're down there in Bourbon A and you're paying attention to the defensive line, uh, what's the thing or two that you're going to be paying attention to the most?
3: Uh, well, in, in practices, you're not going to be able to tell much for the defensive line until they really get into game situations. But what I'm just going to be looking for is who who's starting opposite Hicks and Goldman. Um, is it going to be Bullard? Is, who's getting the majority of the snaps? Bullard, um, Robinson Harris? How, how often is Bilal, Bilal Nichols getting snaps with the first team, or if at all, if he's getting snaps with the first team? Um, so that's really all I'm looking for. I want to see um, how they show up to, to train camp, what kind of shape they're in, because, you know, those big guys, sometimes they can <laughs> let themselves go, uh, which I know is kind of... Uh, weird coming from me because you know uh, i've put on a few pounds recently but um i want to see um if roy, roy robson harris maybe uh, added a few pounds uh here or there so um just kind of how they show up how, how they uh, spent the off season
4: there you go what about you nick I'm going to see where Bilal Nichols is actually lining up at. I'm sure the Bears are going to have him all over the defensive line, but I want to see where he lines up uh, if he's able, especially when the pads get on, that's where you want to see them go one-on-one with like a Cody Whitehair. Like you were saying earlier, Will, that's where you'll be able to see these defensive linemen, offensive linemen battles go on, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. But I want to see where Nichols lines up on this defensive line. I want to see who brings the nasty up front. We all know Akeem Hicks does, but who else is going to step
2: up, bring a little bit of that aggressive, that dirty, not, I don't want to say dirty, but you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. that mentality that, you know, you're not going to take their crap for anything and you're going to go up there and get in the face. Even if you're a teammate, you get heated in a moment, you calm down. But I want to know who's going to kind of bring the tone, set, you know, just kind of set that monster there's the midway mentality up front for the defensive line. Besides Akeem Hicks, we all know has plenty of fiery passion. But what about you, B? What are you watching?
5: I'm really interested in this John bullard Roy Robertson, Harris uh, position battle just in amongst itself. I think it's interesting that I'm the only one at the moment that has Roy Robertson Harris winning it. So that tells me there's a lot more faith out there in John Bullard than what I have. So I'm just really interested to see how it plays out.
2: I'm sure there are more people in camp you know, Robertson <laughs> Harris than you realize. Well, just what... just on the panel. I understand it's a small <laughs> sample size right now. There's yes. more, plenty of fish in the sea, more, plenty of sticks in the forest. That's the new one I'm trying to get out there
4: okay
2: (laughs) all right so anyway let's fill in the blanks now that i'm embarrassed all right Uh, so fill in the blanks guys when the defensive line plays well this season it'll be due to blank and when it struggles it'll be because of blank nick
4: so if it plays well it's going to be because of eddie goldman And if it struggles, it'll be because of Akeem Hicks. Eddie Goldman, because he's able to occupy those offensive linemen, getting Dane Trevathan and Roquan Smith able to make tackles. And again, if Akeem Hicks is not getting to the quarterback, well, who else on that defensive line is really capable of doing that at this point right now? So if Akeem Hicks can't get there, then the Bears are going to have an issue.
5: Yeah, that's a very fair point. What about you, B? If the Bears defensive line does well, it's because of Akeem Hicks. Uh, And if they struggle... It's because of the outside linebackers not getting a pass rush, leaving it up to them to do the whole job. And other than Akeem Hicks, uh, there's not a proven pass rusher uh, on the defensive line. So it's going to be a case of if they can't step up, this whole defense is really going to struggle if there's no pass rush on the outside like we talked about last week.
2: Right. Okay, hold on real quick. Steve, I want to make sure you said Roy Robson Harris was the second most proficient pass rusher behind Hicks up front, right? Yeah, that's correct. So I guess the big one for you, team robertson harris is if your boy can step up and be a little bit more uh keep those numbers up if he does get extended playing time more snaps this season if he can keep that same consistency then the kim hicks might have some help i know it's unproven absolutely but i'm just letting i'm just trying to help you yeah. out yeah uh, with your argument help of course and steve real quick fill in those blanks
3: um i think if the defensive line is successful it's because of Keem hicks because he's their best player and he can so he can um He can single-handedly dominate the the game, and if it struggles, it's because of Akeem Hicks, because if Akeem Hicks gets injured, I think they're going to be really, they don't really have much behind him, or or at least not that we know of right now, maybe someone steps up, but if Akeem Hicks gets injured, or even to a lesser extent, Eddie Goldman, I think they might be in a little bit of trouble. Wow,
2: so much pressure on Akeem Hicks this year, like every (laughs) year for the Bears defensive line, but... I think Akeem Hicks is totally fine with it. He understands it and he's gonna, you know, he's not gonna disappoint. He never does, and I don't expect him to start doing so anytime soon. All right, guys, to end the show, we're gonna kind of predict for uh, the stats uh, who's gonna lead the defensive line in some different statistical categories. And Steve, I'm gonna go to you first. Who's gonna lead the unit in tackles?
3: Uh, I'm gonna go with Akeem Hicks. I know it's <laughs> kind of bigger like cop out. I just think it's gonna happen, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick with Akeem.
2: All right, okay. it's the Keen Hicks show. That's what we should call it. And let's go over to Nick. What about tackles for a loss?
4: Ooh, tackles for loss. That's a good one. Um, I'm expecting Eddie Goldman to have the season that he's going to have. Then it's going to be Eddie Goldman. He's going to get be able to penetrate, not get to the quarterback, but be able to make those tackles for loss. All right. And speaking of the quarterback, B, who's going to
2: get to him the most with us with stacks?
5: Uh, I'll take the the cop out answer, Keen Hicks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. I mean, again, I understand it. If you're going to be predicting, I mean, it just makes sense. Uh, be right back to you. How about pass deflections?
5: Roy Robertson Harris. He's just got that frame. I think if he can get more playing time, he's got he's got the active hands to do it. Let's see him get a, get, get a few more because the one he had last year led to an interception.
2: True. Very true. And Nick, fumble recoveries. Fumble recoveries.
4: Um, we'll go, we'll go Jonathan Bullard on that one. I think he's going to play a little bit more being those, again, he caused the fumble last season. So he's going to be there to pick it up or pick up a few. I would hope. I would hope so. If he's leading the team. <laughs> I would hope. It's, I mean, most guys don't get a lot, but hopefully he picks up a few.
2: Well, again, I don't want our team leader to have one. We would be in a lot of trouble if that's the case. Steve over to you. What about force fumbles?
3: Uh for from most I'll go with uh, Roy Robertson Harris. He's got those long arms. He can probably get a bunch of strip sacks this season. he is a good pass rusher, so I'll go I'll go with uh, Roy Robertson Harris.
2: I like it. This one's for anyone, whoever wants to answer first. So this is new. Uh interceptions. Anyone? Wild Nichols. Oh wait, we had two. I heard Nichols. What do you have, Steve?
3: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with John Jenkins just because I think it'd be really funny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the old Keith trailer play.
3: Exactly. So that's what I'm hoping for. There you go,
4: uh, Nick. You said you have a fun stat for everybody. I'm excited. Yeah, well, it's a fun stat, but it's also a concerning one. Um, so the Bears' uh, defensive lineman they had 15 and a half total uh, sacks just from defensive lineman. Um, but in the first quarter, only two sacks, and they both came from Akeem Hicks in back-to-back games against the Panthers and the Saints. Um, he was the only Bear too with the sack in the first quarter of a game all season, and obviously yeah. the game is just starting. Um, you know, to even playing field, but there's not many opportunities to get to the quarterback. Does that concern you guys at all that this bears defensive line is not able to get to the quarterback really at all in the first quarter. And then also the fourth quarter is also a concern, but more concerned about starting off the game, starting off the game. Right. I would say uh, again, Akeem Hicks is the only guy to get to the quarterback in the first quarter. Does that concern you at all? Because we said this defensive lineman, if Akeem Hicks doesn't go, If an injury were to happen, who's going to be able to get to the quarterback? So with only two sacks coming in the first quarter in 16 games, does that concern you guys at all?
2: Absolutely. I mean, of course you want your defensive line. You want all your players to play better as the game wears on. But if you're not, you know, getting after the quarterback, sacking them early, at least or at least compiling some quarterback hits, I mean, you're not setting the right tone, and it's going to allow them to get comfortable in what they're doing, allow them to take a little bit more shots. So you need to have that pass rush, you know, early and often. And on top of that, you said the fourth quarter is worrisome. I wonder if that's due to the Bears just being pretty much not in the games in the fourth quarters and they're kind of just like running the clock out. I Again, I would have to look at the game per game, you know, basis there. But at least if I remember 2016, like I really don't want to. I I don't remember (laughs) being... Brilliant games in the fourth quarter, a few close ones here and there, but for the majority of the season, that wasn't the case. Where were the majority of the sacks coming, uh, second and third quarter then?
4: Yeah, so the second they rebounded really well in the second quarter. They had eight total sacks in that uh, So in that quarter. And then in the third quarter, they had four total sacks, and Hicks had three of them. And then Mitch Unrein had one of them. So it shows you who's really being productive, uh, I guess, where it counts. In that fourth quarter, only one and a half sacks. If I were to ask you guys who had – who had the most sacks in the fourth quarter? Who would you guys tell? Who would you guys say? Uh, I know it's not a key mix. No, he's got, he's got a half a sack. So it's Eddie Goldman with one. And I think that game. <laughs> so yeah, those sacks too also came again in games where the bears are getting blown out. Um, It was 26 to zero heading into the fourth quarter against the bucks where Goldman got his first sack or that one sack. And then the bears are down 23 heading into the fourth quarter against the second game against the lions where Higgs had that half a sack. So Again, the fourth quarter.
1: How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors?
3: Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client.
1: Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
4: Not as concerned about because the Bears were not in a lot of games, but there were some where they were, like Pittsburgh, uh, Minnesota, Baltimore. Those, that's where you want to see those sacks come in. But it's that first quarter where it was pretty concerning where I only saw two sacks, and it was all from Akeem Hicks. And like we said, even playing field, you want to see the defensive line, that defense set the tone. But it's interesting to see that that's all they had in that first quarter.
2: All right. I got two points here. The first one being at least that the second quarter uh, showing up, then that pr- that's a testament to Vic Fangio making the appropriate adjustments mm-hmm. to counter what the offense is doing, catch them off guard and find ways to get to the quarterback. So worried about the first quarter. Yes. But of course Vic Fangio's here. And of course he's proven he can make those adjustments and find ways to generate pressure. If it's not, if the original game plan isn't working, uh, my second point would be, I would look for the fourth quarter uh, numbers to improve this year. If the bears offense pans out how we believe it should, because teams are going to have to try to play uh, either be playing catch up with us or hopefully keep up with us, which has not been the case here in Chicago over the past few seasons. So of course the fourth quarter quarter numbers will be down, but now if the Bears offense is scoring more points and quarterbacks need to be dropping back more in the fourth quarter when the offensive line a little bit more tired, the Bears can kind of, you know, pin their ears back just a little bit more, then maybe I would anticipate the sack numbers in the final quarter starting to rise just a little bit. But, yeah, either way, I mean, last season, concern. We'll see what happens this year about those stats. But, guys, let's go around the horn one last time. Uh, bold prediction for the defensive
5: line. Uh, Belial Nichols is second in sacks.
2: That's pretty bold, and I like it. Nothing wrong with having a rookie step up and uh, kind of make his mark. I like it a lot. Let's go over to Steve. What's your bold prediction?
3: Uh, Jonathan Bullard is going to have six plus sacks. Yeah, that's
2: what. What does he have for a career? Do you know, two. Yeah, so he would triple his career total, oh, <laughs> a little bit more so when it's all said and done. But yeah, I mean that's definitely a, that's bold. Nick, are you going to go crazy bold on us?
4: We'll go crazy bold. I'm going to say Akeem Hicks makes his first Pro Bowl and he has double digit sacks numbers.
2: Yay. It's about time. If you finally got it, but double digit sacks would definitely help. And I think, uh, I don't think anyone's going to complain if Hakeem Hicks finds himself with double digit sacks, I'm sure, uh, that'd be fun to watch. It really would. Oh Yeah. Down he goes. All right, guys. I don't, do I have a bold prediction? Yeah, I'll take one. Eddie Goldman, two interceptions. I don't know how. I don't know oh, how I don't wow. know. Man, I don't know how, but why not? Let's go for it. And if he does it and he doesn't have a contract, you better believe he's going to be going away. <laughs> man, look at me. I'm a turnover machine. You can you can put me out in the slot. No, I'm kidding. But uh he definitely like to jab that just a little bit more to get a little extra uh, you know, coin when he gets that new contract. All right, guys, any final thoughts on the defensive line? Next week is the offensive line, which I'm excited to break down with you all. We're going to have Lester Wiltfong Jr. from Windy City Gridiron with us. We're going to talk about who's going to be on Sackwatch and who should hopefully not be on it too much this year. But uh, any final thoughts on the defensive line while we have it?
5: Games are won and lost in the trenches. <laughs> and in the first five minutes of ball games, if we're on defense. There we go. What about you, Steve?
3: No, I think we summed it up pretty well. Um, That's I, always I good. It's going to be a, a pretty good year from the defensive line, though
2: we need it especially with the outside backers we need the defensive line to step up no doubt and nick
4: you final thought go yeah interesting who is going to step up and we know Akeem hicks is that guy but who is going to step up on this defensive line
2: and that would be the question we're going to end the show with so definitely something for our listeners to think about for a week but that's going to do it for this episode and again no matter where you are how you consume the show i just want to thank you for tuning in training camp is literally right around the corner it's coming you know So much quicker than any of us are really feeling like each and every week, like by the time we have our next show, 23 days It's happening so quick. We're going to have the season here before we know it. And personally, I find myself getting more excited with each passing day and I'm sure you do too. Like I said, next week we're going to be back with a special guest, Lester Wiltfong Jr. from Windy City Griniron, uh, to re- as we remain in the trenches due to and Brandon DePlotting because I know he likes to live there. And we're going to preview the Bears offensive line. Again, if you like the show, leave us a review on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, wherever you can. Help us out. Let us know you're listening. We love to hear from you. Reach out on Twitter. Send us an email, thebearsbrothers at gmail.com. Again, it's the offseason. If you want to spark a conversation, I'm here. Nick's here. Brandon's here. Steve as well. Just find us. We'll talk Bears football with you all. But until next time, bear down, Chicago.